Happiness is an emotional response to an outcome. If I win, I will be happy. If I don't, I won't. It's an if-then, cause and effect, quid pro quo, standard that we cannot sustain because we immediately raise it every time we attain it. You see, happiness, happiness demands a certain outcome. It is result-reliant. And I say, if happiness is what you're after, then you're going to be let down frequently, and you're going to be unhappy much of your time. Joy, though, joy is a different thing. It's something else. Joy is not a choice. It's not a response to some result. It's a constant. Joy is the feeling that we have from doing what we are fashioned to do, no matter the outcome. Now, personally, as an actor, I started enjoying my work living, and literally being more happy when I stopped trying to make the daily labor a means to a certain end. For example, uh, I need this film to be a box office success. You know, I need my performance to be acknowledged. I need the respect of my peers. All those are reasonable aspirations, but the truth is, as soon as the work, the daily making of the movie, the doing of the deed became the reward in itself for me, I got more box office, more accolades and respect than I ever had before. See, joy is always in process. It's under construction. It is in constant approach, alive and well, in the doing of what we're fashioned to do and enjoying it. Now, the easiest way to dissect success is through gratitude, giving thanks for that which we do have, for what is working, appreciating the simple things we sometimes take for granted. We give thanks for these things, and that gratitude reciprocates, creating more to be thankful for. It's really simple, and it works. Amen. Amen. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, really good uh, actor. I happen to like him. He's a good guy. Anyway, I wanted to tell Don thanks. I haven't heard a John Gibson song in about 20 years, and that made me happy. <laughs> nice, nice. Amen. Well, today my wife and I are going to speak uh, prayerfully over uh, God's word to you. We pray that it sets into you, that the peace of God and the joy of God will flourish in you this day. Amen? Mm-hmm. Pastor Scott started this series out by a conversation about story, but not just any story, your story. And he said that everyone in this room and everyone in our home and everyone in our community has one thing in common. When it comes to our life story, we all want a good one. More specifically, whether we'd say it or not, we all want a happy one. No one walks around hoping for an unhappy story. Deep down, we all believe more happiness we have, the better life story will be. One of the main problems with happiness is that it's extremely fickle. It's slippery. One moment, happiness is all ours, and the next, it's gone. It's like, the, it's like the Lions football, right? One minute they're ahead and the next thing they're not. <laughs> Happiness is so slippery because it depends on circumstances. It's in and out of our grasp as our lives journey up and down. Happiness can't stand up to life's challenges. Thankfully, Jesus offers us something much better than mere happiness. He offers us joy. 
While happiness depends on circumstances, joy transcends circumstances. While happiness is chained to our external circumstances, joy is rooted inside of us. And we can't find joy by fo- or we and we can find joy by focusing on something other than our circumstances, by focusing on Jesus and his kingdom. The truth about who we are and who we are not. The truth about who God is and mostly who we truly are to God. Amen? His beloved children. Living in joy isn't just a perspective change, it's a reality change. It's a reality change. There's certainly a list of several things that stand in the way of our happiness. But there's one in particular we could all agree upon. It's fear. In Time Magazine article, it talked about how Americans are more fearful today than they've ever been in history. It seems we're afraid of everything. Terrorism, politics, national debt, germs, kids riding on bikes without their helmets. Yeah, how did our kids survive? I don't know. I don't know how I did. (laughs) And maybe worst of all, the internet going out. And we can't play Fortnite. And we can't uh, vent on Facebook about all our troubles. And according to this article, over 50% of our population deals with constant and prevalent fear. Fear has become one of the most notable qualities about our modern culture. But why is that? Well, I would say for most of us, comes down to one word, circumstances. We live in a culture where our happiness is deeply connected to our circumstances, our situations in life. Think about it in your own life. Just think about it for a minute. What would make you happy right now? I'm guessing it has to do with your job, your family, your school, your finances, your relationships, your health. And what has the greatest potential to make you unhappy right now? It's probably the same answer, right? Would you agree? Mm -hmm. I listen to music a lot. I listen to the words of music a lot. It's a spiritual rhythm in my life. It brings me peace. Uh, It brings me joy. It's something that I really, really enjoy. It brings me happiness, even in those uh, unhappy songs. (laughs) It's kind of funny, isn't it? But it happens to me. But there's a lyric by Amos Lee in a song called, Keep It Loose and Keep It Tight. And he states this, While relationships change, though I think it's kind of strange how money makes a man grow, Some people, they claim, if you get enough fame, you live over the rainbow. Over the rainbow. And he says, sometimes we forget what we got, who we are, and who we are not. I think we got a chance to make it right. So keep it loose and keep it tight. Our circumstances and our happiness are almost always connected. Maybe that's why some of us are afraid that our circumstances will change. Maybe you've finally made it into your boss's favor. Maybe you're in a dating relationship where things are going well, where you finally married the one. 
Maybe your kids are on the right track. You're really happy about that. But isn't it true that when things are going our way, there's always a voice in the back of our mind asking, nagging, maybe even scaring us with the question, what if it changes? And at the same time, some of us might be saying, um, what if our circumstances don't change? What if we're stuck in this place in our life forever? So maybe things aren't going so well in your family right now. Maybe things aren't going so well in your career right now. Maybe you're not where you thought you would be at this stage of life. Or maybe your kids aren't making the best decisions, or your marriage is in trouble, or you're, you're faced with a, with a health crisis. So when we've all been in a place where we wish our circumstances were different, where we have said, what if this never changes? So sometimes there's a loss so great in our lives that we know things will never be the same. Things will never be as they were. And so then we begin asking ourselves questions, how do I live into this new normal? How do I live into um, this, this situation that I never asked for, I never planned for, I never, um, never expected? So that is not, and we say to ourselves, that's not the story that I expected my life to be telling right now. So you've ever been there? Yeah, I know I have. Been there many times. And in these moments, I've learned that everything and everyone has something to teach me. Teach me about God and teach me about myself. The good and the bad. Both, have, both are teachers. So you can see whatever difficulty we face can be a source of spiritual growth if we let it. It depends on how we view it. It depends on... What we do or do not do with the broken pieces, the fragments of our life that seems to just happen when we weren't planning it or weren't expecting it. What would happen if we met our frustrations, our pain, our heartaches, as we would meet a visitor having something to teach us? When the bottom falls out, we want to rush past and deny and avoid the brokenness, because we think it's going to be easier if we rush past it, if we don't look at it. But what if we lingered with our brokenness a bit and asked it to help us grow spiritually? What might we learn from the story of our life when it has broken pieces? Some of you know I'm a, um, I work for the state of Michigan as a vocational coach. And so my primary responsibility with the clients I work with there is to help them, help people that are overcoming obstacles to employment. And many times the people that, are, um, that I'm working with are in a situation that they never planned for, that they never expected. They've experienced uh, um, something that has disrupted their life, and so it has affected their ability to work. Sometimes it's um, because of bad decisions that they've made, but more often than not, it's because of situations that have happened to them that they had no control over. And so one of the things that I try to do um, myself personally and with the people I work with as a coach is to help people to lean into, not to rush past, but to lean into the pain and approach the circumstance with two questions. And the two questions are, how are you my teacher And what am I meant to learn? Loss can be a teacher. 
It can be a coach. It can be our healer. It can be our friend. It can be our pastor, our therapist. What am I meant to learn? It's a great question when we find ourselves in those kind of situations. And when we can approach our pain and our loss and our brokenness with these brave questions, we can learn that life is not always to our liking. It's not always what we plan for. Just like there's a cycle of life, um, a natural cycle of, of our earth, there's a cycle in our spiritual realm. So we know we're entering into fall here very soon, and, and pretty soon the trees are going to turn beautiful colors, and then they're going to die, and then they're going to fall. So it's, fall is a time of, uh, of letting go, of releasing, of surrendering. And, and it seems as if things are... Um, so it, and it's in order to enter into a place of um, barrenness and darkness and um, where it seems like... In winter, it seems like everything's dead and nothing is alive. But it is, as we know in the natural, that it's necessary for the winter in order to create new growth and new, um, new uh, fruit in the spring. And so it's just like that with our spiritual lives. There's going to be times of great abundance in our spiritual lives, and there's going to be times of barrenness where we think that everything is dead, where everything um, is... is um, you know, there's no life there. And sometimes it's, it's tempting to think that God isn't with us in those moments. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's um, we think that he might have abandoned us. But I want to tell you that just the opposite is mm-hmm. true. Amen. And that God is present in both the dark, where life is developing. If you think about, um, if, you've, if you're friends with Edgar and Alyssa on uh, Facebook, they're doing these amazing things. Hmm. They, they're, they're, um, they're videotaping uh, the co- uh, a caterpillar making a cocoon, yes. and then the butterfly comes forward. It's all on there. It's, it's all on beautiful. there. It's so cool. That, so they, they're showing this caterpillar that's hanging from a stick, and they're videotaping, and I think it's like four minutes or less, this caterpillar is completely in a cocoon. And so it's so cool that they were able to catch that. And so it looks like, you know, it's in the dark. It's in the, you know, that there's nothing happening in there. It's just surrounded by darkness. But then they showed the video of the the, um, cocoon where it's breaking open. And what's Mm. emerging, it's not the the caterpillar that's in there. It's this beautiful butterfly. Mm -hmm. And so we all know the story of transformation. And that's a beautiful metaphor for transformation. Mm -hmm. But it it is a, a good metaphor for us for our spiritual lives too. Because even in the barrenness, even in the dark places, when we think nothing is happening, God is doing his work. My greatest loss in life has been my greatest teacher. It has taught me to love more deeply, to live with more gratitude and compassion. It's taught me to slow down, although Sean probably wouldn't agree with that part of it. But taught me to slow down and enjoy, enjoy life and the people that God has given me. And most importantly, it's taught me how to have an eternal perspective, to keep my eyes on things above. Because Amen. the things that happen right here are very difficult sometimes to deal with. Because life isn't always what we expect it to be, Right? And many of us don't allow ourselves to linger in the dark. And when we are missing a great, we're missing a great place of spiritual growth and renewal because we want to rush past it in order to chase happy. We just want to be happy, so we chase happy and avoid the places that are in the dark. There's a, Joseph Campbell described the journey of transformation as coming through the dark cave into a new springtime of life. 
The important dimension is that when people come out of their pain into newness of life, they always bring an elixir. Mm -hmm. They always bring an elixir, mm -hmm. a medicine, or a gift with them. This gift is meant not just for themselves, but for the transformation of the world. So too with us. God is always extending compassion toward us, loving us through the many ups and downs of our journey, and we, in turn, are meant to offer this compassion to others. Life is a constant cycle of giving and receiving. The divine gift of love that we receive is meant to be shared. Amen. And so that, isn't that a beautiful picture, a beautiful description of transformation and what we gain out of transformation? And then it, it really is um, 2 Corinthians 1.4, that he comforts us when we suffer so mm -hmm. that, in turn, we'll be able to uh, comfort others with the same comfort we received in our suffering. Amen. Last week we discovered, thank you, Kathleen. Yeah, you're very welcome. Good. That made me happy. Good. It brings me great joy. <laughs> Last week we discovered that Jesus said he didn't come to steal our happiness or to kill our hopes for the future. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Jesus came that, and said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. This verse, uh, when you think about it, it sounds like such good news when it comes to our circumstance because experience has taught us we have very little control over our circumstance in life. And if Jesus came so we could have rich and satisfying lives, doesn't that mean he will just arrange things to go our way? Who wouldn't sign up for that? I would. Hmm. But at the same time, if we're honest... Something about that idea bothers us. The idea that following Jesus means he will ensure everything goes our way. That our lives are happy and healthy and our circumstances are good. Well, that idea sounds fantastic. It raises a question in us. We've all known someone who, despite following Jesus, despite serving in the church, despite being kind and gracious, faithful and loving... They fell on some really painful or difficult circumstances. That's life, right? Mm -hmm. Kathleen and I have taught Grief Share now since our son died nine years ago, right? Something we take very serious in our lives, something that we know that God has called us to do, to take that gift of grief that we suffered through and God taught us something to it's, comfort it's others in. It's our elixir. It's, it's our elixir. And, it's, it, and, and many other things that we've journeyed life through. And, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, where, you know, that very painful and difficult circumstance, we don't want people to lose their faith, to lose their way. We want them to know that God is with you in those dark places. God is with you. He journeys with you. And when you don't hear him or you don't see him, that's because he's holding you. He's holding you so tight, you've become one. And when you know that then things like other tragic things happen. We both know people, dear friends of ours, love Jesus, serving God. They lost their child. More than one people do we know, more, more than one couple. They lost their child in tragic accidents, and they just shipwrecked their faith. They've lost their faith. They've gotten divorced. It's terrible. So that's why we walk in this. You know, and statistically, this is a tragedy today. It's because people truly 
they, their happiness is totally based on their circumstance. And it's not based on that eternal perspective, that joy, that joy that cometh in the morning. You see, I think that spiritual scripture speaks to us deeper than we hear it. Because when we mourn, joy does come to us. It is with us. See, it's not just the next day. It doesn't mean just in eternity. I'm telling you that God brings you joy even in mourning. Definitely. When you breathe and you see and you get to to taste that God loves you. Kathleen spoke about the elixir, the gift that you give when you are in darkness. You receive it. You give it out. It comforts. So therefore, we will return to the question that Jesus means by saying, I have come that, the, that they may have life. They may have it more abundantly. Is that the kind of life even possible when our circumstances don't seem to line up? We see examples of this all over the scripture and in life that I just spoke of. But in case, we'll remind you, Job, Moses, Joseph, and most obvious, the Apostle Paul's life. If anyone had reason to let emotions be dictated by circumstance, to live in fear because of what he was facing, it was Paul. But in a letter he wrote to a group of believers in the city of Corinth, he wrote this. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We're ignored, even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we still live alive. We are still alive. We've been beaten, but we are not been killed. Paul laid out what many of us would consider the worst possible circumstances and the worst possible scenarios for his life. He described having to endure troubles and hardships of every kind. He said they'd endured being beaten, faced angry mobs, imprisoned, hated, talked about, despised, but yet they were alive. It would be hard to imagine more difficult or more fearful circumstances. And yet, despite his experiences, despite what he had already endured and what he was going to endure some more of, Paul states in the next verse, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches out to others. And we own nothing. I love this part. We own nothing. (laughs) But we have everything. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. What a perspective. That is eternal perspective. Paul, he's got it right. He's got it right. Could you imagine being able to say those things? Those words in the midst of worse circumstances? Can you imagine that being your reality? Paul had a joy in the midst of everything he was facing, financially, personally, professionally, physically. How's that even possible? Paul told us. He didn't say he had happiness. Didn't say he was happy. He said he had joy. Hmm. Amen? 
and some people use those words interchangeably, but there is a difference. So my husband brings me great joy, but he doesn't always make me happy, <laughs> right? So there is, there is a difference between joy and happiness because happiness, um, happiness has to do with what's happening, what's happening to us. It's external. It can change any minute. It's a, like the, the um, teaching last week, it's a moving target. So you can't count on it always being there. It can be present for weeks on end and then all of a sudden it's gone because it's based on circumstances. But joy, unlike happiness, doesn't depend on circumstances. It goes beyond our circumstances because it's constant. And so a couple years ago, Sean and I went on a mission trip to um, Haiti with many of you that are in here. And um, I had a really great example of being able to distinguish between happiness and joy. Because when you, you know, I've been on many mission trips, but my trip to Haiti was very eye-opening. Many of us on the team were amazed at um, the, the level of poverty that our friends in Haiti have to endure. It's, it's more than I've ever seen in any of the other countries that I've been to. But yet, the thing that we always talked about when we came home that night, after serving in the, in the church and in the, um, the clinic is we would say, it's amazing the joy that the Haitians have, that they come, they're so they have so much gratitude and so much joy and so much love. Here's a, picture of, <clears throat> here's a picture of one of our pictures from our trip. And you see the kids, and you see my grandson Ezra in there, and he was playing soccer with all the, the kids out there. And um, it's just an amazing thing to see that they literally have nothing. I mean, they have very little food and very little water. They have no electricity. They have no transportation. They are battling um, severe sicknesses and disease. But yet they have this internal joy that is um, very, very distinct to know that it's something in internal because their external is certainly not, um, not giving them reasons to be mm -hmm. joyful. So we can still have joy no matter what the circumstances are. And in James um, 1, 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when, you when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In the message version, that second verse says, so don't try to get out of it prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. And so notice in that verse, it doesn't say if challenges come, but it says when challenges come. When challenges come. So we're not promised a, a life free of challenges. I think we all know that. But in, in the scripture, it says allow it to do its work. To me, that means linger there. Don't rush past it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't deny it. But linger there for a little bit. And then... As you said earlier, lean into it. Lean into it. And don't try to get out of it prematurely because you'll miss an opportunity to build your faith. So James is telling us right here in this verse, he's basically saying that we can turn our hardships into times of learning. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the questions. How are you my teacher and what am I meant to learn? Mm -hmm. So tough times can teach us so much. 
endurance, patience, steadfastness. Joy can overcome anything and everything in the world if it's allowed to, if we choose to let it. So yes, joy is a choice. So Kay Warren, the wife of um, Pastor Rick Warren, she wrote a book, but and, it's, and the title of it is Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. And one thing you need to know about Kay is that she wrote this book about joy after she lost her son to suicide and after he was battling mental illness for all 21 years of his life. And so she wrote a book <clears throat> called Choose Joy Because Happiness Is Not Enough. And this is her definition of joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in all things. Sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise, but praise God in all things. So joy has nothing to do with feelings. It has nothing to do with with what's happening to me or what doesn't happen for me. Joy is having a confidence in God even when everything is not okay, knowing that I'll be okay, knowing that you'll be okay. So entrusting God with every detail of my life, even when there are more questions than answers, we choose to trust anyways. That is how joy is developed even in the dark places. And one thing that we also need to remember as Christ followers that it is our inherent right to um, have joy because it's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So if you have the Spirit living inside of you, that means joy is already resonant in you. So it's up to us to access our joy. And sometimes it is a sacrifice. And sometimes a sacrifice of praise that we have to praise God in in those moments where we don't feel like it. But it um, it is how we choose joy in all of our circumstances, regardless of what they are. Paul said he speaks himself happy. Yes. And Tim Hansel says this way. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. We cannot avoid pain, but we can avoid joy. So choose joy. It is a choice. Joy. So what are you focused on today? What circumstance or situation or relationship is taking up all the space in your brain right now? We all have one. What would it look like? What would it look like for you to keep your eyes on Jesus and trust God with that circumstance? How would trusting God change the way you think? How much less stress or how much more joy would you have if you could just change your focus for today and trust God? To find joy today. To find that. Choose joy. Change where you put your focus. Rather than focusing on the unknown, focus on what you do know. Focus on what is for sure, the for sure thing that we've talked about, that eternal perspective, that joy. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, I have come to bring life that they may have life more abundantly. Jesus wasn't talking about an easy life or an always happy life, even though 99% of the time my wife is happy with me. Yes, 99.9. 
when we do messages together. <laughs> that, that is so true. We just oh, think yeah. about joy. We just think about joy because it's, it's, we're just It so always different. tests our, our um, relationship, <laughs> right? When, we're, when we have to do a message together because we're very different. <laughs> we're very different in, in the way that we prepare. And so then when we have to merge to... to um, we got to find joy. Yeah, so we, we did. We found joy. We found a lot of joy and laughed at each other and ourselves. And She says, I got to stand on the left. You're on the right. I said, why? Is that so you can hit me? <laughs> no, I actually said I need to stand on the right because the button's here. To... And I said, why? So you could hit me? <laughs> no, see, I just pat you. Yeah. <laughs> that is a joke. That is a joke. My wife is, brings me a lot of joy and, and a lot of happiness, but not all the time. Right? <laughs> it's true. Truth be told, yes. That's One true. that despite changing circumstances or even the midst of hard circumstances, it is rich and it is full and it is eternal good. Right? You know, life going one way or another can cause us to forget who God is. Did you know that? Life's going this way and that way. It, it tends to cause us to forget. And, and, and it causes us to forget who he is and what he's promised us. Who we are right? As the song goes, we forget what we got. We forget who we are and we forget who we're not. And that's, that's important to understand. We are God's children, his beloved children made in his image. And you have to remember that because the world and circumstances speak something so differently. It's so much. And it keeps us living in fear if we allow it. All right? So we need to remind ourselves what's really true, right? We need to remember that God is for us and he loves us. When we do that, we'll find permanent and lasting joy regardless of our circumstances and what we're living in at the time. And joy writes a better story than happiness ever could. Amen? Amen. Imagine for a second if we all did this. Just imagine for a minute. I want you to think about this, okay? If we all had our minds and our hearts focused on Jesus through any situation, any circumstances, and it didn't keep us in fear how the world would be changed. Think about how it would affect when you came home from work, no matter what your work situation is, the joy that you have with your spouse or with your kids. They would see that it's just a constant, a steady joy in you, regardless of the circumstances. It's like being able to praise God in the midst of worse things. It is well with my soul even in the worst things. So remember that. And can you imagine how the world would be changed? How your neighbors would be impacted and the people who are closest to you would be impacted. See, the world is always seeing us reacting to the culture and what's going on and the sky is falling and the rapture's coming. And you know what? When you have true joy, if the rapture comes, praise God. But I still want everybody to know Jesus Christ, right? And, and we complain and we get caught up in who the president is and what he's doing. And, you know, God is our president. God is the one who takes care of us, eternal joy. So remember, no matter what you're facing, think about the impact it has on your neighbors, on the people you love, on yourself, and the people around you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you and you alone author the story of our lives. 
We pray that we would find you in our stories, no matter what the circumstances we're facing. I pray that you would help us to trust you and know that you are for us and that you are a good God. You are not against us, but you are for us. And I pray that you would allow our stories to grow and develop, even in the dark places, so that our faith produces perseverance and character and hope so that we can be ministers to those that you love on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Choose joy today. Amen. 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 All right. Very good. God, I bless my friends in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that this week that they would be able to find joy and to find you in every circumstance. We're grateful for this word, and God, we go forth from this place knowing that you are with us. And it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week, everyone. We hope to see you next weekend.